like every good Japanese superhero show, sometimes you just got to take a 10 year break. And that's what this show did. We're talking about Ultraman Tiga. Yes, I pronounced it correctly this time. everybody and welcome back to your new favorite show the more you nerd where we are getting our feet wet our hands dirty with the ultraman franchise here in ultramanuary as we jump to 1996's ultraman tiga not taiga much like titus is the main character of final fantasy 10 tiga is the show that we watched uh, but i can't do this alone miles how are you friend um, equally as humbled as you, because I have been pronouncing it uh, Taiga my entire existence as well. <laughs> Look, you know, we haven't we haven't seen these shows and we we do, you know, and, and obviously with the first time you watch the show, you realize, oh, this is not Taiga. It's Tiga, 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 Tiga. They never stop saying Tiga. And that's you know what? It's OK. Yeah, no, it helps when you actively watch the show, because, yes, that, that will get rid of any illusion that it's pronounced Tiga because, yeah, they don't stop saying Tiga at all. Yeah. Um, and I got to I got to give uh, I think the podcast is to give a, a huge shout out to our our friend Jed, uh, who is uh, I would say kind of tokusatsu expert yeah coming in (laughs) Um, clutch on these episodes for real (laughs) uh yeah uh really 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 fantastic uh well thought out emails that have actually been really great uh one for my consumption of this um of this franchise because some of it's stuff that i probably wouldn't have come across until much later and uh let's just said some really nice things about uh (laughs) a show i co-host with a former member patrick uh, Kaiju versus history, uh, which we we have lightly touched up on um, on some Ultraman. Uh, we're not going to do a ton of it, uh, and I I would I would dissuade anyone from being excited about things like Jumborgase and Giant because uh, the only things we were able to watch were the fan dub, which kind of makes it unwatchable, which really skews someone's opinion of the movie. Yeah. Uh, which will which will be evident when that episode does air. But uh, I, I, I'm really, really excited to watch more Tokusatsu because I don't get as much an opportunity. Uh, I know Drew, you're the same way. We yeah. don't have a ton of extra time and being a, a Power Ranger Super Sentai guy and barely having time for that franchise, something as massive as Ultraman or even Common Rider, as we discovered back in December um, or November, uh, is is really a treat because Japanese superhero live action fiction, I think, is something that we have been robbed of. for lack of like we got the power rangers and we got a couple of adaptations as a result but it's 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 really unfortunate that we haven't gotten to see more of the great stuff that has come out from japan because this whole subgenre is i mean it to me rivals your your traditional cape superheroes of american entertainment 
it's incredible. And I'm really excited to, yeah, like you said, kind of dip our toes into this water. And, and, and at this point, well, Ultraman, the character, the character concept, at least, because as we learn, there is there are multiple mul- multiple ultra people across the decades. Um, this character has existed as long as or longer than many popular Marvel and DC superheroes. Uh, maybe not as long as your Batman, your Superman, your Spider-Man, but, you know, X-Men. You know, well, I guess they were the 60s, but uh, so was Ultraman. Um, so it's kind of kind of an interesting idea. So let's talk about last week. Last week, we talked about the very first Ultraman series, Ultraman, yeah. which was, of course, a sequel to Ultra Q, which was didn't feature a giant superhero, but was more about Kaiju and, and things like that. Which is a great, great show. I mean, it's very low budget, but it's really, really fun. And I was tickled to death when Marvel did their uh Ultraman adaptation uh, in the last couple of years they they added a little bit of a uh, Ultra Q into the history of of uh that world and I was really pleased about that uh even if things don't really end great for those characters <laughs> yeah uh so with that said we are taking a pretty huge jump in time between 1966-67 to 1996 for Ultraman Tiga. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we are missing. So we are missing, uh, you know, all of the other Showa era, including Ultra 7, which is one of the most popular Ultra characters. I Um, literally saw an Ultra 7 figure at Walmart in the electronic section last weekend. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, un, un, unprovoked, I was just kind of walking around and next to uh, Ninja Turtle uh, and not like the kids toy section, but like the, the quote unquote collector section where it's near the video games and everything. I just randomly saw Ultra 7 and I, I was kind of taken aback. Finger on the pulse, Very Miles. happy, but still random. Finger on the pulse. <laughs> so... <laughs> So as we jump forward in time, Ultraman uh, in the Showa era ends uh, when I'm speaking about TV series uh, with Ultraman 80, which was in 1980, because we had to focus on 80. It's the 80s. It's 1980. All right. Um, And and then we kind of jump forward. The first true and I say true in quotes, Ultraman series that that was is Tiga that we're going to talk about. But it's not the only Ultraman project that came out of this 15 year gap. Uh, and, and I'd like to talk about a couple of these because they're really, really interesting. Um, so at, in this time, we have two other TV shows and one <laughs> which is kind of it's an interesting thing that I kind of want to watch just to to see it. Uh, the first one is Ultraman Great. Uh, Ultraman Great, uh, also known as Ultraman Towards the Future, is a show that's actually produced in Australia with English speaking actors. It was made and you can find some of this stuff on YouTube. I actually watched a little bit of it and it's 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 interesting. The production value is like. Like the production value is low for the time, but it but the video quality is higher. It so it feels yeah. feels it, it feels like it was shot on film uh, in a way that that's that's you know kind of like you know stuff was was different between you know overseas stuff and 
you know, and Western stuff. I honestly at the time. don't even feel like the, the production values are that low. It's, I mean, there's some pretty decent special effects for the kind of show that it is. I mean, I'll, like I'll with give some, it I'll, with, some, with, some, with some of the sets and everything. And the cool thing about great or towards the future is same writer and same director for every single one of the episodes. So it's got a, a, a consistency to it. Uh, this was also the first Ultraman that uh, wore a spandex suit instead of a rubber suit because they thought it would be easier to move in and not you wouldn't overheat. Um, except the actor, the suit actor passed out <laughs> during the production of the show a couple of times, which is funny uh, to me. Uh, but uh, th- so so this this show, it's weird, even though it was filmed and produced in Australia for a more Western audience. It didn't get released here until much later. Uh, so it was, it was a show from, let me see, 1990, 1990, I think maybe. Uh, I don't have it on here right now, but um, but yeah, it did eventually show up over here. But it got, but I, I don't think anybody ever paid attention to it. It got released on on uh, on video before it ever aired in Japan as well. Just, you know, one of those weird, weird things. Uh, and and at following that uh, a couple of years later. We have in Japan, what in Japan is known as Ultraman powered, uh, but in uh, in in the rest of the world is known as Ultraman, the ultimate hero. And this one was filmed in America with Americans. Uh, And it was uh, about a a group of of people, uh, including Kenichi Kai, who who becomes the Ultraman of the series uh, for working for the the group winner w-i-n-r uh, as they fight against the baltans uh which we the which is an old school we talked about the the space baltans uh uh last episode one of the first monsters in the original ultraman and this one like this one looks kind of cool i'm a little it's, it looks neat they've got some really cool effects and 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 i don't know it feels yeah it feels neat um, but it also simultaneously feels super like both of these projects. And and I only watched little bits and pieces. I didn't even finish a full episode of either because I was skipping around at them. It feels really cool, but it also feels like a a weird adaptation. I don't know if that if that makes sense. Like it. It, it doesn't feel I, true. I, the vibe I got from uh, Powered reminded me and this, ironically, and maybe that's why they called this. Um, of a often forgotten uh, franchise, uh, Captain Power, which was, I mean, a pretty decent show from what for when it came out. It was fairly mature for the type of storytelling it was doing. It was a uh, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. Uh, I think uh, I think J. Michael Straczynski was a writer on that show, um, and. But like a lot of the kind of military aspects of of powered really reminded me of Captain Power. And um I I kinda I kinda dig that. Um <laughs> it, it, it brought me back a little bit. I know they've been talking about bringing back Captain Power forever, but ever since the tease and at the 2016 Common Common, we've heard nothing from it. But I I I'm I'm actually really really likely going to to check power out like in my own time and possibly report back because it does seem 
pretty fun. It seems neat. Uh, and one last one that I want to talk about is actually a couple of movies uh, that uh, Ultraman Zerth uh, or Zayarth. I'm not ex- again, not exactly sure how you pronounce this. I didn't go through. This is <laughs> they're featured in two films. This character is a parody of Ultraman made uh, in honor of of of, you know, the anniversaries of Ultraman. Uh, he's from the land of bright in the nebula z95 which is a parody of nebula m78 uh his his host katsuo asahi instead of using a beta capsule or a or a sparkland sparklancer or whatever he uses an electric toothbrush to transform into ultraman uh this ultra is obsessed with cleanliness and is a germaphobe so hates when he gets dirt on him and and things like that and uh also features parodies of multiple uh <laughs> multiple prior uh ultraman bad guys and some some funny things his, his costume is more uh red with silver stripes than silver with red stripes uh it's it seems pretty pretty interesting and pretty funny um but we move forward a few years to 1996, which I don't know if this was a uh, this seems to be an anniversary. I couldn't find anything saying that it was created as part of an anniversary, uh, but it would be technically 30 years after the the debut of the original show. We get to Ultraman Tiga, the focus show that we have tonight. Miles, just generally before we get into the nitty gritty and what we watched mm-hmm. and all of that, how'd you feel about Ultraman Tiga? Um, I, I had fun with it. It's, it's not quite where I thought it would be going, but it also, I think those expectations are a little muddy because of what we just recently did with Kamen Rider. Um, this is still very uh, much a light heart, um, comparatively, uh, comparatively lighthearted affair compared to the writer's uh, franchise. Um, very much like kind of a super uh, hero or I would not say, I mean, obviously for younger viewers, but it would be the thing that like, if it was Saturday morning, it would be the show that, that aired at 1130 to kind of end the Saturday morning, morning cartoon line and kind of segue into the live action adult stuff that happens or sports. Um, cause that's 10, that tend to be where they, they would put the a little more mature cartoons. Like I know X-Men was at 1130 and I could see this airing in that kind of time slot and appealing to um, older kids and maybe tweens, um, maybe some who who maybe wanted a little bit more of a brighter affair than than Common Writer. And I also was really taken by the fact that it does kind of maintain a sense of continuity. It is a lot of Monster of the Week from the four episodes we saw, but there is a consistently moving story, even if they do it slightly sometimes. Yes. And I, I really liked that. Uh, yeah. So this is this is one of those situations where we jump forward 30 years and we see a lot of improvements to the way that the stories are told, the way that the effects happen. Uh, this this common writer is is a first for a lot of things. Um you know, as we talked about when in the last episode, whenever common writer flies away and not common writer, I keep saying common writer, Ultraman. Drew Ultraman. <sighs> Whenever Ultraman flies away, it was a little Ultraman doll that just they lifted up with strings. <laughs> and this is the first show to use green screen effects, chroma key effects to to do that as uh, you know, as as well as doing some early, early, early CG effects 
mm-hmm. which you can definitely tell when the show opens up with a a goofy cg meteor hitting the planet uh which i thought was very funny uh because i had to keep reminding myself that this was i mean 1996 was almost 30 years ago from now um yeah getting close didn't need to hear that statement coming out of my own mouth um <laughs> well so i mean i i definitely remember what stuff was like in the 1990s and you can't even really compare it to power rangers as we knew it because power rangers take taking footage special effects wise from a show from 1991 i believe 1991 or 92 i think yeah um so when i'm trying to like compare it to live action shows that we had i mean they didn't put that this kind of budget into a lot of live action kids stuff uh so i mean the closest you could do is maybe some of the uh 90s syndicated science fiction that we got uh, which is certainly a a point of love for both Drew and I. <laughs> um, Indeed, but I'm I'm pretty happy for as as far as the television special effects in 1996 in Japan, which a lot of times was kind of seen as a little bit behind in terms of how good their stuff looked. I mean, I, you I was, you look at Ultraman Great and Ultraman Powered, and they look better than Ultraman Tiga did. But I think Ultraman Tiga succeeds in other ways. Um, yeah and i i mean i'm i'm pretty happy with how it looks i think the biggest thing for me and kind of the thing that kind of um i don't want to say dampened but it certainly um lowered my enjoyability of the initial ultraman was the fights i think that the fights are a little bit more dynamic you have these monsters that are actively engaging in proper uh, bouts with Ultraman. And they even have a reason with why he sometimes acts a little more stiffly. I, I like the actual explanation that we learned in episode two for the coloration and what happens when he changes color. Well, so, well, let's, let's dive into the story then. So this Ultraman show also takes place in a, much like when we had Kamen Rider Kabuto. That was that the right Kuga? one? Kuga? Kuga, sorry. It's based on Beatles, so I got Kabuto in my head. Anyway, yeah, Kamen Rider Kuga, uh, when we talked about Kamen Rider, that takes place in a different timeline, different universe than pr- the previous Kamen Rider shows that kind of followed the same kind of thing. Ultraman Teague is the same way. This takes place in a different timeline than the prior Ultraman projects, prior Ultra shows. And we are living in some time in the early 21st century, (laughs) which some people have called it 2040s. Some people have called it earlier than that. It's tough to say. They don't ever say anything other than early 21st century, which is funny as someone who lived through the early 21st century. Um, Boy, brought a little tear to my eye. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I also well, I also love how they described uh, the early 21st century as a time of peace and uh, understanding. And I was remembering the early 21st century and we're still in the early 21st century. And um, that is not how I described the I early would 21st not century. necessarily <laughs> call this uh, 22 years of peace and understanding. But, you know, they don't they didn't know that it hadn't happened yet. Um, so 
what, what so what, what what we have is we have the TPC, the Terrestrial Peace, Peaceable Consortium, which is an organization that is is kind of global that goes around and develops technology and innovates and and fosters peace. Uh, and as part of that, you've got their subgroup guts, which is awesome. The Global Unlimited Task Squad guts. I love this. This is our version of the uh, SSSP. What was it from the previous episode? Yeah, I believe it was the SSSP. Yeah, uh, the, the, that this is this is our version of that. And the guts squad, which has. Honestly, as much as I made fun of the goofy uniforms of of the group from last week, these uniforms, even though they still kind of have a necktie associated on them, are pretty cool. I like I like these a lot because they remind me of 80s anime costumes. They're very reminiscent of that to me. Yes, absolutely. Um, I uh, also love that their names are on the back. And their names are on the back, which that is something we are going to come back to later <laughs> on in the show. Um, but in the opening of of the first episode, there is a meteor that lands on Earth and they pick it up and they realize that, oh. There's something inside this and they open it up and it's basically a time capsule from somebody that looks like an ancient human saying that two monsters are going to erupt and attack and you guys have to find tiga and awaken the giants to fight them uh so of course and then the message kind of gets gets you know weird uh, but then uh of course what they do is they go and find this they they use science to uh to to figure out what this is going on and then they find an invisible pyramid in the in the tiga region and uh our main character daigo uh somehow turns after crashing his plane <laughs> why why are uh ultraman uh main characters so bad at flying their planes um yeah and i mean I, we don't here is my big criticism so far about the show and again we're only four episodes deep i would like to spend a little more time with the cast um i feel like i don't know daigo at all even four episodes in and so I don't necessarily know why he feels the need, the need to do the Superman Clark Kent thing. So one thing, I, so I will say, as I have looked, I've looked up stuff about this show and I'm sure this happened later on or earlier in shows. I'm, th- I'm pretty sure Ultra 7, they figure it out, too. At some point throughout the show, the cast figures out that Daigo is transforming into, into Ultraman. The captain is giving him eyes like almost every single time he just kind of pops back up like, boy, who are you fooling? Yeah. So, by the way, <laughs> uh, so so we mentioned the just casual sexism of the 67 uh, Ultraman series, 66 Ultraman series. Uh, in this series, the commander of guts is a woman, uh, Captain Iruma, which is fantastic. Uh, she is. Uh, no nonsense. Everybody believes in her and respects her and, and follows her orders without questioning anything, uh, which I thought was was awesome. Just like. It's a really cool. It's really cool to see that uh, evolution of, of that coming through. Um, but the, but the other thing about that is that uh, I do know that uh, Daigo and the the other another female member of the team, Reina, uh, they end up married in the show or after the show. 
probably in a sequel series because they show up all the time. Uh, so there, there will presumably be some more. Yeah. And I mean, again, it's, it's, it's a very easy criticism to make having watched only four episodes of 52. Um, so I'm, I'm absolutely kind of, you know, leaving room for that. It's just something, one thing I noticed because, you know, in other shows, I feel like I've gotten to know some of the characters a little bit more. And with Daigo, I just, I feel like we haven't gotten a lot from him yet. And we, we mates still, I, I don't know. Again, this is just a sampler, but it was just something that I did notice. Um, I do like the cast. I think everyone's pretty, pretty fun. It seems so far. Um, the most recent episode, we actually got to see a little bit more uh, interaction from Guts. And in fact, are the reason the Ultraman wins a battle. And yes. that was pretty great. Um, I like. I, li- I like I, I mean, honestly, there's I like about everything. I, I, I like the cast. I think that the captain is great. She's a really cool character. Uh, the monsters have been pretty fun. If. um. A little, uh, I want to say shoehorned in, but it, it's clearly, oh, this is the monster of the week. Like that format is still there. They're telling the story of Guts and Ultraman, but the monsters are still just kind of like falling from the sky, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Now, and, what, and, and it's it's funny that you say that because a couple of things I think are going to, like, I think they're also setting things up in the way that a lot of stuff does. Like, Golza and Melba, the two monsters from the first episode, are underground and they emerge as part of this prophecy. Mm-hmm. Gakuma in the second episode is one that ha- is apparently, again, much like the the last sort of turtle styled uh, kaiju from the first Ultraman series, based off of an old old wives tale on on you know some little you know small area that turned out to be true the curialoids were one of the more interesting things because they were like like an alien that came to the earth recently in the last few years and and uh and we're like super jealous of people like praising ultraman tiga which i i i definitely enjoyed the I've enjoyed a lot of the plot points. I feel that once the plot goes to a certain point, it's okay. Now we have our three minute Ultraman battle and the show is over, which is so typical. I mean, that's that's super, it, super it, it typical. Very, it, very, it very much is. And so that's why I'm not really holding it against it. I mean, it's very much the similar thing that Power Rangers used to do or any any Sentai show for the most part. Um, but I. I guess I, I had thought that there might be and i mean there might still but i kind of thought there might be some sort of um other out there some sort of other evil that like a source of everything so and so i i can again i can tell you based on what i have read that it doesn't get to the point where you have like an overarching enemy for all of this well that that is responsible for everything in the show this does build up to an ancient enemy that was on Earth that that asteroid that they find in the first episode was trying to to warn them about. Um, Which is cool. I mean, I, again, I know I'm only four episodes in. I'm I'm just giving a kind of impressions based on the four episodes that I watched. But I I, um, I really so. So 
I want to talk about, you know, some uh, some more new stuff about this Ultraman. And then I want to talk about the fourth episode, because I think it's the strongest of the episodes that we've watched. Um, it's very good. Uh, it's it's very good. And and to me, that's like this is the promise of what this show is going to be moving forward that I really like. Uh, so Miles mentioned this a little bit. Ultraman Tiga is is the first Ultraman that's got multiple colors. And when I say that, he's not just red and silver. He's also got some purple in there. <laughs> and much like uh, uh, Kamen Rider Kuga introduced a into Kamen Rider a transformation into different forms, Ultraman Tiga also has that. From the first episode, he can turn into a, an all-red sort of power mode and an all-purple speed mode alongside his sort of normal middle mode omni mode i forget what they call it in the show uh which is which is pretty cool uh what do you think about the ultraman suit in this one miles i like it um it it seems to be made of some odd rubber that i can't quite pin down um well that's that's ultraman suits for you dude they're all rubber <laughs> except for the know, one in, like, uh, in great it, it, it looks um it looks good though i i kind of wish that Ultraman spoke. Um, that's my one kind of complaint about the series so far, the franchise so far. Because, well, I mean, I've also watched the Netflix anime where he does talk because it's more of a kind of Giver situation, I feel like. Um, but I, you know, I, I did the suit. I like the color. I like the, oh, I'm going to do this certain thing. I'm going to be all blue or all red. And then, or or if I feel like I can, I, I can just, kind of middle ground I, I i like i like the fact that it feels almost like a fighting game like it feels like there are strategies to each each different monster and that there are certain things you can do in certain situations and i really enjoy that because I, I remember thinking in the first episode hey, it's kind of lumbering here and then when they actively explain the coloration in the second episode and why he's lumbering when he's all red. Oh, because he's got all the power, but he's slower. Whereas if he's all blue, he's faster, but he's not as strong. And I so, I thought that was really cool. I really, really like that. An interesting side note about that. The the suit actor for Ultraman Tiga, there is a different one for the all red form and the all purple form. The all red That's one. Awesome. The all red one is a little actually physically bulkier and the the all purple one is is a little smaller and faster which is which is cool um another uh peculiar thing about this and this is something that we we i didn't personally get because of what understanding with ultraman is that when the lead character transforms it's not the lead character transforming it's the ultra that is bonded with them taking over and so in the first show that's when Ultraman takes over versus the character taking over in Ultraman Tiga. This is the first time that we have the human taking the ultra power and existing and controlling the ultra in that form. And which is why I kind of thought he would talk. Well, and we don't know that he won't talk later. He does. Right. Make, he does make noises when he gets hit and does things. He's not That's completely true. silent. Um, and I know there are some ultras later on that I've just seen on, uh, you know, going through Tokushatsu uh, streams and stuff that do talk. Um, they're towards the the end, uh, Ultraman Red and Blue, I think, are the ones that I was speaking of. But um, 
Spe- speaking of the the Ultraman battles, uh, these sets are really great looking. Oh yeah, they so are, super are. Um, the, the, again, this is this. I was watching Ultraman Tiga, and I've had this thought before, but it was watching Tiga that made me think, man, think about how fun it would be to be a kaiju monster actor. Oh, to I just mean, stomp around a city and break things and i think about this all the time literally all the time i'm sure i'm sure this is a constant thing that comes up with uh on well, kaiju versus history but i was recently watching uh godzilla versus mecha godzilla for a future episode and you know when you have more than one monster and they're just they're just stomping around i'm like this this must be the most fun job in the entire world and i, and I know from stories uh it often wasn't in fact so i think one guy got an uh appendectomy while in the suit because they couldn't get him out and he refused like any sort of anesthesia. Um, I can't remember which monster it was. I, Patrick told me this story and it, I, I was like, could have been header up. Like I, it was wild, but I'm just like, th- these guys suffered for their art yeah. very much. And they were also gave in some great performances, but especially being Ultraman, being Ultraman and being able to like move around and fight a monster, but also like bust up these buildings that look great. I want to say, at least from my limited experience, experience, I think that these are some of the best looking um, model buildings that get destroyed on television that I've seen <laughs> thus far uh, into the 90s. I mean, certainly better than the ones from Zhu Ranger that we saw for Power Rangers. Like these are really good looking models. And it looks like things that took time to make, which makes you think like, oh man, they built this super accurate thing just to destroy it by throwing a guy into it. (laughs) Um, But it also like the show also reminds you like, oh yeah, people are in these buildings and hundreds of people died. Like usually you don't get that commentary and it's like, oh man, all these people. And I'm like, and like so like the second time he's fighting a monster and they keeps like getting smashed into a building i'm like oh my god all those people well, <laughs> so so the first time he's really fighting in a city is in the third episode where he is fighting the the uh uh Kyrians or whatever the kyreloids uh the kyreloid monster and it's interesting to me that whenever you see ultraman fight and throw that throw the monster around He's very clear to land it where there's not a building. The only time a building is destroyed in that fight is when the monster hits a building directly or when the monster throws Tiga into a building, uh, which which was an interesting thing. Um, But I got to talk now about the fourth episode and the monster. Yeah. uh, And the monster Ligatron. This. One, this is one of the coolest monsters that we have seen in. Looks great in Can Ultraman. I, honestly, so far. like, like just sketch wise, like basic things kind of remind me, like if you're just taking some rough concept, a little of Gigan, uh, a little of Gigan, uh, a little of the Alien Queen from Aliens. Yeah, I could, see, I could totally see that. Um, so the the story of this is that you know they they mention in passing uh, that there was this this spaceship that earth sent out uh jupiter three that was gonna gonna scan and map jupiter and it had disappeared a couple of years ago um and then all of a sudden right after they have that conversation a kaiju lands on earth and it goes after this energy source and 
and while this is going on, while this fight is happening, uh, and the 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 guts team is is trying to 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 affect the monster because the monster is going after this you know super high energy stuff from this space development group of of STP TPC not STP um, that's Stone Temple Pilots that's a band not a not a peaceable organization on Earth. Um, too many acronyms, man. Why can't it be guts? Guts is so good. I can. I will always remember guts. I'll remember guts yes. and shocker. Those are the two that I'll always remember. Anyway, uh, but while this is going on, uh, we get these flashes of other of other places in Japan where these sort of mystical people are just kind of hanging out with people. Like there's a, a young woman overlooking a, 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 an older woman that's that's in some sort of hospital bed. There's there's a man playing soccer with a little boy. Uh, and, and we learned that while that battle was going on with, with the guts team and the monster, these things were happening. And we learn that it, this energy, this energy creature encountered and took over the Jupiter three ship and turned it into a monster based on the fear that the crew of the Jupiter three had about what was happening to them and that their souls were still inside this monster. And when the monster eventually fights Ultraman at the end of the episode, Ultraman loses this fight. He is losing and not winning, but it takes the, the effort of, of one of the guts members. Um, I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, it t- it takes the 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 efforts of uh was it yes shinjo uh who's sort of the sort of the tough guy sort of the 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 seemingly handsome mm-hmm. one you uh, do your t- work you know you're a member of guts doesn't matter how you feel. yeah that kind of yeah, guy yeah well cuz he's he he you know he didn't he doesn't want to fight the monster early on because he knows that the monster is made up of the crew of the Jupiter three and that, you know, he and Daigo have this conversation about how he's lost people to, to, to mm-hmm. accidents and things like that. And he thinks that this is wrong, what they're doing, but he's a member I of God. I like this episode so much as we get a, at least a moment like that. I thought we were going to get one in the prior episode with the captain, because, you know, we see this picture of like a, maybe a son or a little brother or something. And we didn't quite get that, but here, even though it's a short, I mean, I would say maybe it's a 90 second conversation. We get a little about this character because I, I feel like it really starts to I, I actually am I'm more interested to watch past this episode because this does seem to be kind of the tipping point of we're starting to really get to know them as humans and yes. what this all means to them. And I, I am I'm with you. I really like this episode a lot. I thought it was really good. Uh, but, um, but but it's but it's him you know not wanting to fight the monster but you know this is my job and as a member of guts i'm going to do what i'm what i'm ordered to do uh that after all of the guts members are shot down and they're watching ultraman lose this fight he has this idea we can't beat it from the outside we're going to beat it from the inside and he radios back to headquarters to just because they also kind of know that the monster because the monster has inter- interacted with the computer systems on earth because 
one of the members of the Jupiter three team is the scientist that created all this stuff. So he, he just tells them to flood those systems with pictures and, and, and other file memory files of the three members. And as that happens, like you see the monster sort of freeze up and, and you know, these three sparkly beings of light emerge and take their power back and takes their energy back. And then Ultraman is able to defeat the monster. And these three people just, ascend and go off into space which is kind of wild yeah i mean it's i mean it's a certain it's a very anime plot and but i mean that in the best way possible uh and, and it's really indicative of, of i what i kind of want from this um because like in his email jet ex- explains this as a back to basic uh revival but with a 90 sensibility and, and production values and in that more so than even Kamen Rider, this kind of reminds me of the initial return of Doctor Who. Like the, the Chris Eccleston, even the first season of uh, David Tennant, where it was kind of this like back to basics, that kind of kooky fun, Tom Bakery type of science fiction. This is very similar with, with uh, Ultraman. It's, it reminds me a lot of what we just watched with Ultraman 66. But with a lot of modern sentiments it's got a little bit more certainly more characterization than the original series had um the the fights look better the monsters look better everything looks better so if you're returning if you're having ultraman return after 15 years this makes the most sense to me and um i i'm really really into into what they're doing because this i mean I know this is uh, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but it's, it's kind of reminds, it gives me a kind of a Superman vibe, yeah. like a science Superman vibe. And I, I really like that. And it's what makes this series so fun. And I also I kind of love that they 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 tweaked, but kind of kept the, the traditional design, because like while I really appreciate the the additional color, I'm glad that it still resembles Ultraman, because especially at least for the return show. That that classic look is so cool. So you you at least want to do it once really well, and I I think they they nailed it. Um, I don't remember if this was a part of Ultraman sixty six. Drew, you might, but was the three minute timer a thing? Yes, in Ultraman sixty six. The, ti- the timer was because uh, because of the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, Ultraman got right. his powers from the sun or cosmic rays or something, but the atmosphere blocked it. So he could only have so much time to operate on earth. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's been, it's been a while since I watched or since I did the, uh, the Ultraman episode for Kaiju versus history. And, um, I like that, that, uh, I made a reference to, uh, Johnny Sacco and his flying robot that I'm glad was picked up on. um, I think what's cool about this series is it's bright, colorful, optimistic. I mean, it's it's another flavor of the superhero that I mean, I've always kind of thought that this one felt closer to at least Power Rangers to me than Common Rider, uh, even though I get why they made Common Rider the the Power Rangers crossover. But I mean, I think they still do Super Sentai and Rider. Uh, crossover movies but i i really they've done ultraman really, and rider crossover movies as well i thought they've only done i thought they only did something like it was more of a multimedia crossover as opposed, opposed to a proper 
one. I could be wrong about that. They did one in 93. Um, uh, I, I would have to look to see if they've done any more. Uh, that I, might I, be because so, of changing hands. And and I, th- I think that one in 93 might. Someone could tell me I'm wrong, but I thought that was more like a series of vignettes of like, oh, Kaiju versus uh, mutants or something like that. Like little uh, as opposed to like an actual narrative with these characters. Um, but I'm I'm just I'm really, really having a blast having a different flavor of the Tokusatsu hero and uh, obviously another one of the, of the big three. But Ultraman Taiga, if if Tiga. honestly, if I'm going to get a kind of sorry, Tiga. Uh, Tiger's another series. Ultraman Tiga. If I'm if I want a a classic feeling Ultraman show, but I I still want a good uh, productional flair, I think this is where I'm gonna go. I mean, I, it, I think this, this this gives me that what this, I want. This has the bonus of of being a classic. It is 30 years old almost. It's 20, I mean that's true. It's 25 years old, but uh, it it but it's it's built on all the stuff that all the 30 years that came before it it is honestly a really interesting midpoint to the ultraman franchise and i i'm i'm i like it i like it a lot i'm i i I would honestly i would i would tell someone who was interested in in the franchise and wanted to kind of know what ultraman was all about like if you're academically interested obviously watch ultra q and ultraman um i'm a big fan of ultra q but if if you just want to kind of get the gist of what the, the, the franchise is about or want a good experience, I think I'd start them off with Tiga. I think this is a great starting point for anyone's first Ultraman show. Yeah, um, I, I hear I hear arguments that it should be Ultra 7, that Ultra 7 is the one that that people should start with. And again, we might we might pick up on some of that later. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, just because yeah. I know that was <laughs> we've had we've had conversations where we're like, are we becoming a Tokusatsu podcast? <laughs> look, man. Look. <laughs> Look, we like Japanese heroes. I'm sorry. It's 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 the thing that happens. Um, I, I oh I do want also want to point out, uh, Tiga is uh, from the Indonesian language, an Indonesian language that means three, which is a reference to the three different forms that uh, Tiga t- can take. Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You know, it's not <laughs> cool though. What? Ultraman Tiga's four kids dub. Let's talk about this yeah. for a second yeah um boy oh boy was i excited for this and boy oh boy was i wrong uh so in 2002 uh they dubbed ultraman tiga into english uh four kids entertainment did this and if you know four kids you know they have a questionable history of quality of dubs uh when so with some of the anime stuff that they have done and uh, I watched a little bit of the first episode just to to get a, a a voice. And I will say I I did not get I didn't love it. It was very clear that <laughs> this was a very <laughs> poorly dubbed show. I mean, the performances were fine. It was just live action dubs are always a little weird uh, because a lot of times they don't have the money to do like tone matching and like area matching on a screen. Um, but learning that this show makes changes to the story to make it more of a parody of Ultraman Tiga, including changing, uh, changing captain, uh, Aruma to be a, an airhead, um, just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, I don't yeah, like that. I, 
what I saw, I didn't love. Um, and yeah, and, and knowing that it's kind of intended to kind of poke fun at the tokusatsu subgenre makes me less enthused about the whole project. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with something making fun of itself, but like something like Akaba Ranger, which is legitimately amazing and also poking so much fun at Super Sentai and Power Rangers, and it's got great designs. It's hilarious. I have three of the figure arts of the uh, Occupy Rangers. Something like that I'm I'm down with, but something that I think that is, I think, more malicious in its humor and honestly in the. I don't know, I think I think there's a, a little bit of uh, cultural prejudice when it comes to that kind of dubbing, too, uh, when, when you're doing it as a joke that I don't love. And uh, I, I will say they, they we mentioned this or that we're going to talk about this. They don't change any of the names of the main characters, at least uh, because, because they can't because they can't <laughs> because all their names are written on the back of their uniforms, uh, which is just fantastic. Yeah. Of, of, of any Western production I'm going to watch, I think Powered seems really interesting. I, I think I'm going to follow that up. <laughs> That does look it looks kind of it looks kind of fun. We might I don't know. We'll we'll return to Ultraman at some point. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Common Rider, there's so much that we'll, we'll likely do, if not a sequel series or a deep dive. Um, we'll, we'll do something. And and Jed's certainly given us a lot to think about of where where to go next. But. Where, where we're going next is a little bit different than we've been doing before. Yeah. So we are recording this in January of the year 2023, uh, which, um, you know, if you look back historically, you might see that there is a movie release that is happening in the United States uh, this week. Uh, Shin Ultraman, the 2022 superhero uh, film uh Produced by Hideki, Hideaki Anno of uh, Evangelion fame, directed by Shinji Higuchi, um, is debuting in the United States this week, and uh, we're going to watch Which, it. I think, I think it's the first theatrical debut of any Ultraman in the States. Uh, it, that I do not know, but I would not be surprised. <laughs> I'm I am so excited about this. I I I. One, I'm seeing this obviously for we're doing this. I was going to see this anyway. Uh, I saw Shin Godzilla when it did its Fathom event release. Uh, but also, I want to support the Shin films because I, Drew and I desperately want to be able to go see Shin Kamen Rider in theaters. I want that and so bad. <laughs> I, I feel like with the, the influx of Kamen Rider stuff uh, that is being released this year, we, we may get that probably around the same time next year, given you know how long it takes this stuff to come out. This came out in May of last year, and we're getting it now. Um, and it just serendipitously was happening when we were talking about doing uh, Ultramanuary. And I think it was like over Christmas. So I was like, hey, hey, hey uh shelterman comes out in like three weeks we should we should do that um i've bought my tickets uh mine is going to be the dub actually because um it's a it's a big week in wrestling and i'm not gonna miss that card um you could just say it was sold out on the subs because uh, I'm going to see the sub. So we'll be able to compare notes a little bit. At least I hope yeah, I'm gonna see the well, sub. I, mean, I know I know several anime at, uh, voice actors are involved with the dub. So I, I have 
I have uh, I'm cautiously optimistic and we might have a special ghost next week. That is awesome. I'm going to see the dub. Um, and I'm just excited to see it. I even showed the trailer uh, to Krista and she was like, this looks amazing. And so I'm I'm very, very excited to uh, watch Chanel Tremaine and just see what Ano kind of comes up with. I know he's kind of uh gone on record talking about how big of a fan of specific Ultraman and Kamen Rider he is. And I know Kamen Rider more because he took over directorial duties for that one over doing Ultraman. So I'm super, super excited about this. Um get, getting to see an Ultraman movie on the big screen. <laughs> it's gonna be fun because they because it's one that seems to to capture try to capture the era that it's from uh in a way that i think is going to be going to be really fun uh so that's going to be next week shin ultraman uh spoiler cast i guess because not everybody's going to get a chance to see it Uh, yeah this uh, is good this is going to be a spoiler cast so if if you are looking forward to seeing shin ultraman and are not going to be able to make the the film uh wednesday or thursday uh and you just want to stay in the dark, then by all means, not going to feel bad if you miss the show. Um, come back when you, when you get a chance to see it, probably in the fall, um, judging by how long it took him to get uh, Shin Godzilla on Blu-ray. But yeah, I'm I'm so excited to to check this out. I'm I'm really I'm digging Ultraman in a way that I didn't quite expect. I I wanted to like it in the same way that I I absolutely loved Common Rider, and it's it's just such a different thing um but i'm having a really good time me too uh so with that said that is where we are going to end tonight's episode if you would like to find us you can find us this and every other episode of our show at the you can tweet to us at the more you nerd you can go to facebook.com slash the more you nerd and you can email us questions comments and your ultra takes to the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. And now we end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd out. out.